here's a review of the Europa League and Champions League. You should know who I am. You should know who my guests are. Steve, how you doing? Hi, Stel. How are you, mate? I'm good. Do you know what? I was meaning to ask you guys before we started recording. I'm going to ask you guys now while you're fucking, while you're here. Um, my, I've got this ring doorbell. So every time someone walks past the house, it starts flaring up. And my next door neighbour, she's lived there with her husband and she's got two sons. One of the sons is married and he's got a kid with his wife, but he doesn't live in the house. But he's also got a daughter. Huh? What's that? Yeah, yeah. So, you, yeah, you feel my pain, yeah? But she's got a daughter that lives abroad and she's come over with her husband and her three kids. So she's got a whole house full of people. So her rubbish is going to be... There's going to be a lot of it, right? And we have our recycling collected every two weeks and tomorrow is the day of our recycling. So I'm sitting there watching television. The ring doorbell goes off. Who is it? It's her. She's wheeling her bin up the top. And she comes back, so the ring doorbell goes off again. Then she goes back up again, and the ring doorbell goes off. So I'm like, what the fuck is going on? So I'm looking at it. She's only gone to my recycling bin, opened it up, and started putting some of her shit in there. Yes. <laughs> right. So here's the question I put to you guys. Rod, I'll put you in. What do I do? Do I empty her recycling and put it in her bin? Or do I put it in a bag and leave it out of front door? Or just think nothing of it and play the, the good neighbour? Um, uh, no, I'd just leave it, but I'd let her know, you know, let's say you're putting rubbish, just let me know, it's no problem, but don't, but I'd let her know. Okay. Should I knock, on, yeah, the I, I, Should I knock on the door or should I text her? Pardon? Should I knock on the door or should I text her? Uh, I'd wait till you, I'd do it face to face. Yeah, okay. Yeah, wait till you bump into her and say, oh, by the way, you know, you've got the ring, same as me, but, you know, just checking it and, yeah. I'm going okay. to it. Fair enough. Steve, you're going to do this good Samaritan thing or are you going to do what my little devil on my shoulder is saying and just put it in a fucking bag <laughs> and leave it in that garden? No, well, you, you can do better than that. If you're going to do it, you might as well do something worse than that. But I was going to... I'm going to... I'm going to make, uh, I, I reckon I'm with Rod. It's just... Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah just, What's the worst thing I can do then? Oh, no, I'm not going down that road, Come mate. on! No, 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 but... I reckon you should front it up and uh, embarrass her, um, play the victim, and uh, basically just let her know she's been rumbled. Do you know what I'm thinking of doing though? You know those Russian dolls. You know when you the big one, you take it, the head off, and then there's a smaller one, you take that one off, and there's a smaller one, smaller, right? She's put a celebrations tin in there, plastic one, which is fine because it's recycling. But all the other stuff, I'm thinking about just crushing it and putting it in the, that tin and just leaving it outside the front door. Having like uh, neighbor warfare for about 12 months, and it could end up being good fun, but you mean you don't want to get beat on this. So, oh, I won't get beaten. There's no chance I'll get beaten. You're breaking up. I can't hear you. You could have some fun with it. Oh. Uh, you could have 12 months of this, I think, and it could get really, really tasty. And like I said, I don't suggest you'd want to lose. So it could go to all sorts of lengths and depths of. Um, of creativity, but equally, I think you can nip it in the bud with a bit of class and play the victim. Yeah, you can do the old, uh, you can do the old Beverly uh, Hills Cop, banana in the tailpipe. Yeah, could do, could do. But the thing is, she's got a gate that gets into her back garden, and it's you can open it from outside. So 
I yeah, mate. Like, is, is it, was it bulging out? Is it, was it filling your, your bin up? Or was it just... it's, it's, put it this way, you can't close the lid now. It's just a bin. It's just one bin. Yeah, it's a recycle bin. I'd order a skip and just park it and get it get it delivered and dropped off on a drive. Well, you know, you say that, yeah. I'll <laughs> <laughs> tell you the skip story. No. Uh, did you see my Instagram, Rod, with a skip? No, go on, remind me. So, so uh, not last year, the year before, I was getting some, some work done in my house. I had a skip at the front. And um, again, the ring doorbell went off. I thought nothing of it. Next morning, I look outside... There's leaves and twigs and all heap of fucking shit in the skip. I'm like, this isn't coming from my house because it was just fucking bricks and mortar and all that kind of stuff. Where's this come from? So I checked the ring doorbell. Two doors up, there's this little old Turkish guy and he's having his front garden done, right? <laughs> and him and his mate, I see them, right? Fucking coming into my garden and putting the I, fucking I do, shit in the skip. I do remember this, yeah. Fuckers. And John makes even worse. So I didn't recognize him at first. But then that actual morning, I looked out of the window after looking at the, the ring doorbell and they were wearing the same clothes. So I knew it was them. So I've gone up to him. I says, mate, I've been living here for 10 years and not once have you come to knock on my door and say hello and you'd come and you just dump your shit in my, in my skip. Oh, sorry, my friend, I, I take it out. I was like, oh, you, you do it. You do it. <laughs> you do that. So yeah, he emptied it. So I've, I've actually got it on my Instagram. I'll send, I'll send you the video link. Steve, you can watch it. You, you want on one clip, they're putting the shit in the skip, and the next clip, they're taking it all out and putting it back in their garden. There you go. Let so, me sleep on this one. We can we can come up with something. And most of me is thinking, come on, let's show, let's be the real better person and show a bit of classy and just say that she's rumble. But there's a bit of devilish inside me suggesting we could do some of it. Well, the thing is, it's, it's ten to ten, right? And I'm planning on doing this at about midnight. When, when they're, they're, they're all asleep, I'm going to sneak out, you know, wear a balaclava and all that, wear it all black, hoodie, balaclava, empty musket, <laughs> empty my, my bin and just put it. So, yeah, you've got a couple of hours to think. There you go. There you go. See, we never start off the show on a light note. Anyway. Right. Okay, let's talk about uh, that Europa League final. Um, Villarreal against the odds, beat Man United on penalties, although when... It went straight to penalties. I thought there was only going to be one winner because hey, David De Gea never saves penalties. Um, so I can throw that one out the window. But Rod, balance of play, I think it was a fair result. United didn't do enough to win the game. Obviously, they didn't create enough as far as I'm concerned. I'm, I'm more disappointed with the way that United responded to when they equalised because I thought, right, go for the throat now. Go for the win. But it just it's almost as if they were sat in second gear. They ran out of ideas. The, the substitution keep taking off Mason Greenwood astounded me. Um, what did you make of the whole game over the 120 minutes before penalties? Um, well, when I seen um, Rashford and uh, Greenwood playing uh, and Pogba in the middle, I thought. But my first thought was, what's his plan B going to be? Who's he going to bring on to change the game? Who's going to bring to, you know, that spark of life? I suppose Matricos, but, you know, pace-wise, you know, he's got, he's, he's got no options. And that, that proves to be the case. He didn't make any changes till 110 minutes, 100 minutes. So, you know, it doesn't bode well for Van der Beek. It doesn't bode well for the young lad, you know, not to, to, to trust them. And, and especially when Rashford, you know, he has had an okay season goal-wise. You know, probably personally he's not he, he's not had a great season, but and he's dipped at, at 
at the end of the season, but you know, he had a terrible game. He was, he was shocking, so I don't know why he didn't bring him off. And um, yeah, and then to hear that he actually thought about the keeper that something that he'd not saved a good penalty for seven years, and he actually thought about you know actually thinking about it. Then you actually bottled it because you thought about it, and and then the logical answer would be that I need to change it. He's not saved the penalty in seven years, and this kid saved six or seven in the last two years. So it's a no-brainer, but you know it's a big decision, a brave decision. You know, and, and he bottled it really, and yeah, it doesn't bode well. And he puts him really on the back foot to the start of the season. You know, he has he has a bad bad, bad start to the season, and he'll be gone because you know you can't have a slow start. Someone or or set on fire if it's not City, if it's not Liverpool, it'd be Chelsea. Then you probably got Tottenham in the wings, and then you know other teams. Arsenal will be better; they won't finish tenth again. You, you wouldn't think so. So you know he's put himself bang under pressure now. But, you know the Ole haters are, are stronger. He's probably got some more now because you know it's not a good trend to get in the semi-finals and finals when you're playing for Manchester United and you're getting beat or you're managing Manchester United. It's just not. It's not. It doesn't look good, especially in your CV. So. You know, he needs to win something. Probably the league. Some probably if you win another cup, it probably save him. Probably not. He needs to win the league and needs to be challenging. If not, you know, he's what he's got to go. Yeah, and do you know what the the two things that put me off him getting the job? Well, first of all, I've always said tactically, I don't think he's great. In all fairness, and granted, people will say to me, "Well, you went the whole season unbeaten in the league away from home. Fantastic," but. It leads me on to my second point. When it comes to making the big decisions, I, I, I don't think he's ruthless enough. I really don't think that he's ruthless enough. And, you know, we saw that uh, post-match interview you gave after the 4-0 defeat against Everton a couple of seasons ago. And he said, you know, I've got players here that, you know, don't really want to win and they're not going to be here when we start winning things. I'm thinking, well, you've practically rebuilt your team now and your squad. So you're running out of excuses and you're running out of time. And look, I'm not one of these people that want him to go. You know, I've, I've I think, always said stick I, by him, but the evidence isn't there anymore, Rod. That I, I can't I think. You know, he's built he's built his team, but you know, quite evidently, his, his squad isn't strong enough. You know, you look at Chelsea's squad, you look at City's squad. You know, we're we're on par with Liverpool, top eleven, top twelve, decent. Above that, it's just average at best. So he needs to bring in two, at least probably three, but you probably won't get that because you're talking Grealish, Sancho, and a centre half, or even a centre forward. Yeah, but do you think United will go for Sancho because they've got um, the the kid Diallo? I think he will sign because he's cheaper than Sancho. Well, if they don't get in, they need Grealish. Then they need someone who's going to create more chances and who's going to have a different option and a stronger squad. Because it's quite evident in the Europa League final, we didn't have a strong squad. He, 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 he cut, it. you know, he tied his hands by playing Rashford and Greenwood together. You know, he's got he's got to bite the bullet, and, and you know, although you know it was an attacking option, but you know sometimes you know sometimes you've got got to be a bit savvy and. And think, okay, we know that they're going to play. That let's bring them on to us a bit. Try and let's bring them on to us a little bit. But, but we probably didn't have the, the confidence in defending to do that because 
you know, when we bring when they bring them out, it, it brings that low block out, and then you can you can spring on the break. But you know that that constant low block that they had and the defending, which it, which is which they did really well. You know, United find difficult at the minute, and you know, t- a type of Grealish or Sancho couldn't mock them doors. So, and it's a different option. So they just need strength in in, in depth and free players is, is maximum that what they need. You, you've mentioned attacking positions, Rod. What about defensively? Because without Harry Maguire, they looked absolutely ropey. And Lindelof, I don't know what he was doing for, for the opening goal. Granted, you know, the, the movement was was fantastic. And they said in the in the studio, oh, it was all, all done on the training ground and it was well worked. But Lindelof was ball watching the whole time. And this isn't something that you should be doing at this level. We've, we've seen it now loads of times we've seen it against Chelsea in a, in a semi-final or cup final we've seen it we've seen it loads of times now where he, he just switches off or he gets out muscled for a centre half you don't want to see your, your centre half get out muscled and he's just for a centre half he's weak you know he's weak you, you fancy yourself against if he's a centre forward or I would anyway I'd fancy myself against well, I'd fancy myself against any of them but mind you that by you, you struggle because he's kind of a wasp and he's quick but Maguire, the quick one, the the, 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 the big ones, the, the 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 slow ones, not so much, no, not slow, slow, but you know what I mean. Not you'd like to play against the big daft ones because you know they just they're just big and daft. Fair enough. Harry Maguire's, Harry Maguire's a bit different. Harry's, Harry Maguire's, you know, he can play as well, so he's not your your normal. You know, just head it centre half. You know, Harry Bayer can play a little bit as well. Bayer is a liability. <laughs> Lindelof is a liability. No, no, but, but defending wise, you wouldn't like to, yeah, out of the three of them, man marking or marking you, you wouldn't you'd prefer to play against the other two than Bayer. Yeah. Or yeah. because he's got pace and he's strong. The other two, you fancy yourself against because they've got weaknesses. Mm. The only weakness Bayer's got is he can't play every week because he gets injured, he's made of glass. So that's this what he needs to fix. So, if he fixes that, then you know he'd be a starter every week because he's a good player with Maguire. But you know he's got to get that consistent until you get that. Then yeah, fair enough. Uh, Steve, I don't think we've given <laughs> Vieira any credit in this one because they defended stoutly. They did what they had to do. And let's be hundred percent honest here. Once they scored the first goal, they had no intention of getting a second. When United equalised, they had no intention of getting a second. But they did their job. They did what they had to do. They stifled United, which you'd expect, and they played to their strengths. And you got to take your hat off to them. Honestly, it was, it was a great point. And the penalties, crying out loud. <laughs> Talk about uh, pressure. What pressure? Yeah, credit to the manager, Emery. Um, I think it was picked up in commentary by Robbie Savage, and I was watching and saying the same thing. I think there was a passage, Stel, uh, of 25 minutes in the middle of the second half, basically, where United took the game over. They were faster, fitter, quicker, better, stronger. It was just a matter of time. They were penetrating, they were stealing the ball, they were breaking her, of course, uh, like Man United teams do. And they put in a hell of a load of crosses um, with no one getting the last touch, but it was just a matter of time. And at this point, um, it was for substitutions for Villarreal, change formation, change personnel, brought some fresh legs on and actually wrestled themselves back into the contest to be the better team. And then get to extra time and you're thinking, I'm not sure what happens here. And in anything, it was a truce. 
Uh, United had, uh, were, were absolutely shot uh, with nothing like Rodri mentioned before, nothing really to come off the, the bench with, with energy and pace as such. And Villarreal with fresh legs. So the dominance United had, Villarreal had caught that back up to level uh, and the game just petered out in extra time. And I was even wondering, I wonder if United are conserving some energy in the first part of extra time to have a right go in the second and win it late. But then uh, I was watching it with my father. He said, I don't think you can plan for that. And he was right. I just think they were absolutely done United by about 85 minutes and all of extra time. So I thought the energy was with Villarreal for the penalties. I thought it was obviously a masterclass by everybody, mostly. Um, if, if it hits the back of the net, that's the main thing. You know, the Villarreal goalkeeper got two or three hands and wrists to some. It never looked imposing for David De Gea to save any at all. And of course, he was the fall guy having to take that last penalty, which I'm sure he never practised in training whilst everybody else was, because you don't expect it to go that far. So uh, when I look back, I didn't know at the time, obviously knife feds, but when I look back now, um, I just don't think United, uh, I thought they were, were, were supremely dominant, but did nothing with it for almost all of the second half. A truce of extra time and Villarreal just seemed, even though it was a goalkeeper that missed, just seemed to have the edge in the penalties and as it proved, it proved to be. Yeah. And you know what? I find it quite ironic how for the past few seasons, we've heard so many things about these flair players, you know, Paul Pogba and Bruno Fernandes, but United's best player was Scott McTominay. Yeah. And Chelsea's best player in the final was N'Golo Kante. Two players that play similar positions, similar roles. They give you everything. They do the basics, yeah. but they do it so well. And, you know, we'll talk about uh, Kante in, in a moment. But again, Steve, McTominay, United's best player by a mile in the final. Yeah, and probably now uh, he's already grown in terms of, well, certainly grown into his body. He's grown some support. Uh, he's always had it, I think, from the manager. But the jury was out, probably going into the game, whether he is actually a Man United player, but he could end up being like a Darren Fletcher, who I'll come to in a minute, who ends up playing season after season in, in big games. But uh, back to Solskjaer, he seems to have found comfort. There's no hard and fast way that you have to manage in the Premier League, other than everybody wants to try and win. But you've got David Moyes and Jurgen Klopp, who are cheerleaders on the line. You've got Pep Guardiola on the touchline, who wants to coach the team and show you what a good coach he is visually. And you've got Ole Gunnar Solskjaer who sits with his legs crossed and he seems to have found real comfort looking at that monitor where you can see the action replays. Now, that's not to doubt that he's not wanting a second opinion of what's just happened live, but it also doesn't mean that he has to then go to the side of the pitch and coach the team. I, it looks like coaching avoidance to me whilst he's always querying the monitor. I've not seen a football manager look at that iPad or monitor in the dugout as much as Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And when it came to extra time and United had lost energy, um, providing, you know, you want the players to provide it for themselves. I'd be interested to know if you, you picked up on this, Rod, but all of a sudden in extra time, the team talks were let it looked like by Darren Fletcher. Um, he was banging chests, he was giving out instructions, he was barking out orders. And I was wondering, where was Michael Carrick? Uh, Kieran McKenna is a, is, a, is a good young coach, but I didn't really see him evident. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer stood watching Darren Fletcher and Darren Fletcher looked like he'd come out of the main stand and was, uh, and was uh, orchestrating things. So uh, I'm not sure whether that's right or wrong, but Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, as I heard you both chatting before for me, he seems to spend all his time actually looking down at that monitor in the, in the dugout as opposed to being on the touchline, galvanising the team. He's not strong enough, Steve. Is that simple? He's not strong enough. He's not strong enough to motivate the team. He's not strong enough to make big decisions. 
But it is what it is. What yeah. do you do? Do you sack him and then you start again? But who do you bring in? No, no, I wouldn't suggest that. But just something I picked up on. It'd be yeah. creeping up on me in my mind, but something that I thought was quite evident in the final. But, but you're right. But you're right. You know, why, why is Darren Fletcher there anyway? Is, isn't he part of the technical stuff? Isn't he supposed to be in the stands? Yeah, you don't see too many technical directors in a tracksuit, whether he's uh, an ex-player or not. And you certainly don't see them down on the touchline giving out instructions and orders. So... Um, to be defined what his role is. Um, obviously, you know, if you're going to win the game, you could suggest that it that it helped at the right time, but they didn't. So it possibly didn't. Mm. Rod, David De Gea, we can't not talk about him. As you mentioned, I think it was 25 penalties he'd faced and he hadn't saved one of them. Now it's up to 36, if you could include the shootout. Um Let's not make any bones about it. He's been fantastic for United, especially in the years when things weren't particularly good. Van Hal, I think he was player of the season twice or three times, something along those lines. And people say, yeah, he's got credit in the bank. But for me, times change. And sometimes players need to move on. And sometimes, you know, you just need to hold your hands up and say, he's not right for the club anymore. And I think he made a lot of mistakes back end of, not last season, was it the year before when Lionel Messi put the ball uh, through him? There was the Alonso goal against Chelsea. Um, he made a lot of mistakes and he's making more and more these days. And yeah, the penalty shoot, you can't blame him because the, the penalties are great. But at the same time, if we are to believe that he ignored the instructions, what then? Uh, you, you know, you can't, the, in, to start with the, the last bit, you know, instructions, you, you can point to that, but, you know, when you're the goalkeeper and you're actually in the moment right. and you feel like you're going to go one way and you see something, and we you, do. Don't what, you don't know what he's, he's seen and, and, and what, what, you know. What he feels. Yeah, what he feels. So that one, you can kind of dismiss that one. You know the, the you know the penalties the twenty five penalties not saved not saved is is a is an issue it's a it's a massive issue it's, it's obviously his size he's not the biggest of keepers you know he's good with his feet he's good at shot stopping so you know the first two two penalties he kind of dived out of the way so well the rest of the penalties were were, were kind kind of very good so same with United except for his own penalty but. You know, we've talked about it on the group chat. You know, should he have took his uh, keep his gloves off? Should he have just got his head down and, and nailed it? You know, all these things that will probably be going through his mind. But you know, he's not a penalty taker. He's a goalkeeper. It's, he's probably not thought that he's going to take the penalty till the penalty before. Thinking, shit, I've got to probably take a penalty in a minute. And you know, it's it's a daunting task. I've took penalties, you know, with 100 people watching, it's nerve wracking. So, you know, he's in the Europe League Cup final and he's, and he's a keeper. So, you know, you still expect him as an experienced, you know, campaigner, international player to, to be able to deal with them, them, them pressures and, and then that nervous energy. But, you know, he's just got to put his foot through it. But, you know, he hasn't been a great servant, but, you know, is he is he probably the best keeper we've got at the minute? I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know. Is is uh, is uh, what's the kid called? Henderson. Henderson. Is it is he is he the answer? Tom Eaton, is he the answer? So we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. But I can't see David De Gea 
with his stature and his, you know, his place in the club, thinking, you know, I've got a fight for my place now. I've been here for how long, how many years? So I don't think he's up for the fight, but maybe he will be and prove us all wrong because he's a, a, a world-class keeper. We've shown that over the years, just over the last two or three years. That armor and it is, you know, we've seen kinks in it. So we'll just have to wait and see. But it's, it's a big problem because, you know, you're saying in Golo Kanti and Scott McTominay, you know, you've got to have a good defence and the keeper's a massive part of that. You know, the, the probably most every year the best defence wins the league. So, you know, if, you, if you've got a keeper dropping clangers uh, and a keeper coming in and a keeper coming out like it, it's been this year, you know, it's not good for the defence either. Steve, what's your take on this? Because obviously City have got a, a half-decent keeper that can take penalties. Um, I know uh, De Gea has actually been called up to the Spanish national team for the Euros, which I guess is good for him. But can you see him at United next season, especially with, with Heaton returning to the club? Well, uh, I'd love it to be Tommy, and he's a hell of a great professional. Um, but I'm not sure his games data, his games programme looking back, Qualifies him enough to be a Manchester United number one. Um, no, I think he'll be he's, he's in for cover for Henderson. To be fair, I think you know, like a training goalkeeper, like you know, like Lee Camp was. You might not want to hear that, but I'm sure he knows that knows the score at this stage. But you know, he's he's a great professional. I'd love it to be him, but I, I don't. I think he's missed too much football through being a number two and being injured to become Man United's number one at his age. So I think we need to be fair there. And I just honestly think that David De Gea will be a shame if he goes out on his career at Manchester United on a missed penalty and leaves the club. And that's, you know, what he looks back on. You know, it'll be the first thing he thinks of regardless. Uh, he'll have to then go deeper. You know, uh, that, that three years ago where he was literally amazing. That He was that good. He's not been that good since. Um, but he, he's been brilliant for Manchester United. And uh, I actually agree with Roy Keane. Um, I know we sometimes quote the guys, the ex-players who speak on television, but I don't see Henderson as being... Big enough for a start to be a man who doesn't command his penalty. A great goalkeeper, uh, obviously supreme confidence for such a young man, and he's done fine and he's earned the right to play for Manchester United. But if we talk about Manchester United um, becoming champions, I think Rodri mentioned it at the start of the show, closing the gap. Even um, I don't know who 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 it would be, but I don't look at the United goalkeepers that they have now in house and think that they're good enough when you consider that the level of the last two champions have been Alison Becker and Edison. Uh, so if that's the level, and, you know, they don't grow on trees, I, f- I fully respect that. But if that's the level, Man United's goal is a nowhere near it, in my opinion. All right. That's that post-mortem done. On to another one. So Chelsea are now the European champions. They beat Man City 1-0 in the final. Um, and a lot of the talk post-match was about Guardiola not picking a central midfielder. He didn't pick Rodri. He didn't pick Fernandinho. He didn't pick Jesus up front or Aguero. He went with a very attack-minded system. But Steve, Chelsea uh, were very compact. Uh, Reese James was fantastic. Mason Mount was brilliant. N'Golo Kante, who again, I'm sure we'll wax lyrical about. Um, and they could have had a couple of goals at the beginning. Had Timo Werner had his shooting boots. I don't think he's had, he's brought them over from Germany, to be honest, because he's been atrocious up front this season. But yeah, Kai Havertz got the the important winner. Um, first of all, what do you make of Chelsea's performance overall, Steve? 
outstanding um this stage of the season i'm sure fatigue um, and mental fatigue physical fatigue doesn't come into it as you're preparing for such a, a big game a champions league final but they just look so physically fit and capable and able to um i think that manchester city were going to obviously you know city are very athletic let's not let's not let's not uh, discount them on that but i think city's project if you like is to try and play a beautiful game Chelsea um, just just looks so competitive, fast, strong, recovery runs, uh, physical duels, and you know, let's not forget they can play football too. But they just look so imposing to me still in in such of their biggest game. You know, we've played against them at Wembley, we've played against them at the Etihad, we tore them apart at Stamford Bridge, um, and at no point did I ever look at them and go, yeah, but they're you know they've got so much physical. Uh, attributes but in that final everyone just was in beast mode it felt like you know the Rudiger block from the Phil Foden effort inside the box um, just 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 physically I thought Chelsea um, topped anything they've ever done before and were actually too physically strong for Manchester City and and the fact that they were com- they, they were compact the game stayed local it never really switched play with any length or distance the ball was always close and they were just close enough to get to it and 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 like I said, really really win win most of the duels and sadly at the Kevin De Bruyne cost with the block and things like that but they just looked physically up for the challenge so much and I think it helped them and uh, you know, let's not forget actually either that they play some good football too and probably could have scored two or three. 100%. And Rod, with the exception of Timo Werner, whose job is to score goals, every player in that Chelsea team did their job. The central defenders, Christensen when he came on, Rudiger, Silva, Azpilicueta, phenomenal. They they blocked everything. The, forward, the, the wing-backs, they got forward. They tracked back. The, the two in midfield, Kante was... Phenomenal. Jorginho distributed the ball perfectly. Uh, Mason Mount, again, box to box. Havertz, box to box. It was a, it was a, it was a wonderful performance, man. And do you know what? It's, it's, man City had a lot of the ball. They had, they created, I'd say they, I wouldn't say they created more because I think they only had one shot on target. But in terms of opportunities created, I'd say, yeah, they had the, the better share. But at the end of the day, Chelsea did what they had to do. Even Pulisic, when he came on, he almost grabbed the goal. So, I'd say it was probably the, the most perfect performance when it comes to individual uh, performances. What do you make of that? Yeah, you've got to, you've got to credit the the owner as well and the, and the people above for making the change. You know, you know, yes, Frank Lab, Frank Lampard had done well before he got the Chelsea job, but was he experienced enough to take such a big job? You know, it's obviously shown not because. You know, some of the most of the players that played in that final, he probably ousted and, and, and left out and probably never going to play again. So, you know, an experienced manager's come in and and done a, done a really, really good job. And like I say, every single one of his players, probably A. Vernon, probably not. But yeah, everyone else, you can you can accept one player not having having a bad day. You know, the other 10 are on, on form, not that's good enough usually. So really you only need four or five, but when, when, you know, when 10 of them are doing all the job to, for, as an A-plus standard, then you're going to get the right results. And, you know, they just turned City over. They, you know, City didn't turn up, the big players didn't turn up. Now you talked about before, i.e. formations and stuff. You know, 
it, it knocked him when Kevin De Bruyne went off, which was sad to see, you know, because you you know you don't like to see that. He was obviously in, in some distress. So, but uh, yeah, they just done a number on him, a really good number on him, and you know you think after beating them twice this year that you know that you know City have a you know proper bee in the bonnets, but it just looked like Chelsea wanted it more, um, and, and yeah, and, and they run out, you know, deserving winners in the end. And then Golo Kante. Where do we begin with this guy? Uh, beginning of the yeah, season. Yeah, we, we talked about him before. He's, he's like having two players. You know, is he a holding midfield? No, you mm. just you just you just uh, put pulling the reins on him. Then if you're holding the reins, if you put him, uh, it's just he can do both. He can, he's, you know, he's a he's a Duracell battery. He can go all day long, and you know, with good quality. And you know, he's experienced now. He's won the league. Now he's won the Champions League. You know, World so Cup. yeah, World Cup. Oh, yeah. So. You know, and he's a player that you would absolute dream to have in your, in, your, in your squad. No issues, no problems. You know, probably turns it's you know turns up in the car, in the car park in a mini or something like that. You know, yeah, just no no baggage, no hardware, no no problems, and, and gives you nine out of ten every game. You know, he's just a dream player to have, and and for some to think that that. Managers put him on the left or put him on the right or yeah, it's just no brain. Just just baffles me. I, I remember at the beginning of the season, uh, there was talk about him possibly leaving Chelsea because he had injuries left, right, and centre. Um, I think he, he felt ill as well, and uh, Lampard was obviously sticking to Kovacic and Jorginho and uh, whatever happened. He, he just knuckled down, got back into the first team, did his job, and now Tuchel's come in. And it's almost like the N'Golo Kante that they signed from Leicester. The back and forth, winning the ball, getting forward. Phenomenal, phenomenal performance. And as you said, he doesn't give you any trouble, doesn't kick off, nothing, just gets on with it. But On the, on the, on the biggest stage as well, still. Yeah. So that's what you want your players to perform. That's why it's, it's you know, it's, uh, good to see that one of your homegrown players, that Tommy, out of all the stars, was, was the star player. You know, it's good to see. You expect some of the others to, to turn up. But yeah, Kante, you know, on the biggest stage, he, he was brilliant. Mm. What, what about Kai Havertz then? Because he came with a big fee and has another great season for Chelsea. But to score a goal in the Champions League final, etch his name in the club's history, you know, vindicated we've it, again. We've, yeah, we've seen it before with players that have come from different leagues. Sometimes they take, you know, longer to bed in and, and it's difficult, you know. He's not scored many goals, but, you know, that can only boost his confidence and, and, and he'll be... We loved at the Chelsea Chelsea ground now when the, when the fans come back for you know because he's he won in the Champions League you know it was a well taken goal. And, Would you remember Fernando Torres Rod? Remember the amount of stick Torres got when he joined Chelsea and he wasn't scoring goals and then they went to the new Camp and then he scored that goal that made um, Gary Neville jizz his pants. Yeah, we, you know, listen, Stel, when it, he's engraved into Chelsea's folklore now in history because he's just won in the Champions League, you know, no. Penalty kicks, no extra time, clean, one nil. So yeah, it was um, it was it was a good result for him, and, and you know he's, he's happy for the happy for him because he don't play. He's coming. He's probably just found it difficult. You don't, you know, he's he's still how old? He's twenty twenty one. Yeah, about that. Yeah, still young. Yeah, you know, when I was twenty twenty one, my job was living in London. I was twenty twenty one, but so you know, it's just hopefully the good people around him and. 
you know, he just uh, just learns from it and grows from it, and and obviously going to get better. He's obviously a talent to so pay that much money for him, but it's always difficult when you come from different, especially the Premier League. You know, the top players you're playing against, you're not playing against mugs. You're playing against 70, 80, 50 million pound players. So you know, he's he's got you've got to give him time to bed in, but you know, we'll see next year. Yeah. Now, Steve, on to City. Uh, I mentioned Guardiola's team selection prior to the game. It did confuse me because I'm thinking, well, who's your ball winner in the middle of the park? Because Chelsea are playing with Jorginho and Kante. They're going to have Mason Mount and Kai Havertz effectively drifting in and out. So you need one or two players there to to protect and, and hold. He didn't do that. We spoke about Guardiola's, uh, how can I put it, difficulty to beat teams that play three at the back. As we've seen numerous occasions, I think there have been seven, eight games where he hasn't beaten teams that play three at the back. So what do you think was his thought process going into this game, especially not choosing a centre-forward? Uh, well, there's no problem with the centre-forward because it, it's been proven enough this season that it works for him and and, and the rest of the team. So, um, And if only to look at the PSG games to recognise that City were absolutely breathtaking. So you can understand why he thinks that way of playing football works because uh, he's done it time and time again this season and he's done it against... I think PSG were they not even uh, Champions League favourites at some point, and you know tore them apart into two games. So I can understand why um, he didn't go without a centre forward, especially because of the talent of the wide players in Foden and Mares, Bernardo Silva, and of course Kevin De Bruyne, um, who who wants to be central these days and be involved in everything. So it's worked in big games still. So that's why I think he went with it. I also think that he probably, this is a guess, not fact, but probably thought he would go into this final against Chelsea and have 60% possession as opposed to 40. So what's the point in playing another defensive midfield player when Gundogan has played this position for many seasons, not games or weeks, many seasons in his career? Now, let me just counteract that, though, but suggest, though, that Fernandinho had the game of his life against PSG, wasn't picked. Rodgers had the most outfield minutes of any Manchester City player, wasn't picked. Uh, but he went with basically another attacker in Raheem Sterling, who has got great back data for City and England in big games, but just has had a pretty poor six months, I think, for a number of reasons. But he obviously risked him uh, to play another attacker in the final. And these days, I seem to be watching sporting documentaries of people who've achieved stuff in, in years gone by. Alex Ferguson talking, Gary Neville talking, Eric Cantona talking. That's just from one club. But there are other sporting documentaries where people are suggesting that you take risks to win and the big the big and best people take risks to win. Now, I think that's probably what he did. He, I mean, he messed the team up last year against Leon by playing a new formation and no left footers on the pitch. Now, that's a different argument altogether. But for this one, he took a defensive midfielder out of selection and played another attacker in a game that he wants to win, where he thinks the opposition will be very defensive-minded. So I'm actually got full, full support for Pep Guardiola in this choice. What I am a little bit baffled at, Stell and Rodri, is it looked like after 10 or 15 minutes it was the wrong move. It certainly was evident after half an hour and by half time it was, this is completely the wrong move. I'm more uh, baffled and disappointed that the stubbornness of him or whatever he chose was to not make a change at half time. That was the one for me. Do you know what? Um, I agree 100% because you're thinking you're a goal down. There's th- I think... Didn't Chelsea score literally on the stroke of half-time? 42. 42, yeah, so, okay. And you're thinking, all right, well, you can make that change at half-time and really 
put Chelsea on the, on the back burner. But there's, there's something about the hesitancy that I cannot understand. And as the game grew, see, it didn't look like scoring. Granted, they were, they, in terms of creating time, they're putting balls in the box. And I think Murray's had a shot which, which went just over the bar. And Chelsea were throwing their bodies in the way. So City were getting forward and getting in and around the box. But again, it was, I just didn't see it. And, you know, we, we spoke about this on, on the WhatsApp group about how when it's not your day, it's mm. not your day. But the thing is, it's happened too often for City in the Champions League now, hasn't it? You know, uh, as you mentioned, Leon last season, the year before. And pardon me for sounding so fucking petty and sounding like one of these weirdos on Twitter. But is it burning Guardiola that he can't win the Champions League without Messi? No, in my opinion, no, it's burning him that he can't win the Champions League again um, and get his hands on the trophy again with the best team in England again. I don't think the Messi thing comes... I I I don't think he would use individuals as a stick in the throat annoyance that he can't win the Champions League. I think it's just the fact that he hasn't won the Champions League with Manchester City, nothing to do with Messi. So does it tell you how good that Barcelona team was? That, you know, he won it twice with the likes of Iniesta, Xavi, Puyol, Pique, uh, yeah. Messi. He's got to show you how good that bloody team was for them to yeah. have won it twice under him, you know? Yeah, but with the, with the finance in the game now and just thinking of Manchester City, Bayern Munich and PSG and others... I'm happy to be educated. If I've got this wrong, I'll hold my hands up. It can't, you know, it's so hard to win a football match, never mind the Champions League. But it feels to me now that the the champion, the the competition of it, sorry, is far stronger now. Where up to, you know, you genuinely look at the format and think about eight teams could win the Champions League. So hard to so hard to win it now. Whereas for me, when Barcelona were at their best, they were clearly the best and not many came close now there's a there's a cluster of clubs that can win the Champions League and we've seen that Liverpool and Tottenham have got to a final with Liverpool winning it um, so many different teams can win the Champions League now it feels to me Stan um, Al Mubarak Khaldun who came out earlier on and said um, having won the league it's not the time to sit back and be content so it sounds like City are going to be spending big in the summer. We spoke about this last week. We about, spoke about it the week before. Harry Kane, I think he's going to be Citizen Kane. Uh, if you look Great at Aguero, there you go. <laughs> I like that one, mate. There you go. He'll be, yeah. um, you know, Aguero officially joining Barcelona. There's a void. Yeah. There's a striker void. Obviously, you guys needed one in the in the final. And I think it's yeah. come to a point now where they're saying, right, we got to a semi-final, we got to a quarter-final, we got to a yeah, final. Yeah. Now yeah. it's time to really... Um, go for it and I think it might be the final roll of the dice for for Guardiola this se- next coming season shall I say uh, well I don't think so because if Harry Kane and Pep Guardiola both sign big contracts at Manchester City then the likelihood is there that they'll see them out so I don't see it as the last roll of the dice I see that it'll be the next chapter I see that it'll be uh, really exciting um, and we can go uh, with the, the best English Premier League centre forward uh, that there has been for some time um, and likely to be on a four-year contract. So I, I don't see it being the last roll of the dice. I see it, I see it uh, only halfway through the book. So how many players do you think City will sign this summer then? And how many players do you think they need this summer? Um, well, I've been really, really taken with Sinchenko this year. 
less so Mendy and less so Cancelo when he plays there out of position. But um, you'd have to presume that there's a left-back berth that has never really been filled at Manchester City for, some would say, some would say decades. Uh, it's always been filled with um, someone who's capable, but not not anybody who's an elite footballer compared to the rest of his teammates. So possibly a, possibly a left-back. Um, you would only have to hope that the emergence of John, re-emergence of John Stones will mean that we don't need another centre-half to go with Ruben Diaz. But I'm still not totally convinced, but obviously he's had a great season. There's no chance that Kyle Walker's athleticism is on the decline yet and the goalkeeper's superb. So the bat lads, you're only suggesting possibly uh, only a left-back uh, we're well suited anywhere else. I'd like us to just go all in big on a centre forward, and even underneath it, we've got Torres who comes into Premier League games and gets hat gets a hat trick. Um, we've, so we've got good squat depth. I'm not so sure we need anything other than a centre forward still. Fair enough. Well, Man City fans, as Steve said, the left back position hasn't been covered for years. So I think Andy Hinchcliffe is ready to put his yeah. boots back on. Right? I mean, <laughs> great, I left mean foot. great left foot. I mean, I'm in this, um, you know, God, there are many, you know, Gail Clichy, you know, Mendy, you know, they've all got pedigree. Um, but but if you go down the roster backwards of left backs, I've, I've, I've actually liked them all. But then, you know, for where we are, um, you get the feeling that it's a world-class player in every position by left back. But I do think Zinchenko's been superb. Okay. Rod, do you want to speak on... See the, see the left-back union there? He's like tomorrow. Some of them were poor players. Yeah, they were. I just didn't want to discredit, you know, Ben Thatcher, Michael Tarnat, Neil Point and Terry Phelan. You know, there's 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 uh, David Brightwell. I could talk all day. But, you Wayne know, Bridge. Wayne, well, Wayne Bridge, yeah, absolutely. You know, but, um, you know, they've worn the shirt at different in, in a cycle of different times at the club. Um, some of them in not the best times. But uh, where Manchester City are now, um, you know, world-class centre-back, world-class goalie, world-class wingers, world best player in mid best midfield player in the world. They've got so much. It just seems that whoever plays left-back is not world-class and hopefully we're in a position to do something about it. I'm being kind on the history of the lads, I know that. You, you mentioned left-backs. I remember um, Michael Frontsek, the left-back oh, well, German. Yeah. That, remember that summer you signed three Germans? What was all that about? I can him all, Uwe Rosler... It's proven to be a, a, a dear position, isn't it? Mendy. Yeah, what? yeah, shocking, mate. 50, 50 million. Who else yeah, yeah. have you got there? Yeah. Shinko, he, he was Mendy, and Cancelo. Cancelo plays with the right foot there. Can't, can't really do it, but has, has, has got a good last pass, a risky last pass, and has made him uh, a fan's favourite. Mendy can't do it full stop. And Zinchenko's come on leaps and bounds, but got to be questioned, asked if we want to you know, go to another level. Is he, is he, the, is he the level? Um, you know, but I think he's done brilliantly. Yeah. Wonderful. Okay. Now let's talk about this bloody England squad, shall we? Because a lot has been made of it today. Um, four right backs. Um, hmm. Where shall we start with this? Rod? Go with Rod. Yeah. He's got his is, is there a reason for the four right backs? Because, you know, we, we know that Gareth Southgate does a lot to appease the media. And he did a lovely press conference today. He said things like, oh, it's sunny now. We can sit outside and it was so nice. OK, um, so the thought process, 
behind the the right backs. Are we talking Reese James going to be a, a, a central defender with Carl Walker possibly? Trent is going to be the regular well, right surely back. You, surely you would think that you would bring a Jesse Lingard of award prowls instead of four right backs. If you can't choose from four of them, you know, to make that into three, it's just a bottle job to me. You don't, you don't need four. Even if he plays uh, a three, you know, you've got one Kyle Walker in the three and then you've got probably Trent Ampere. Why do you need two right backs on the, on the bench? It just doesn't, doesn't make sense. You know, you've got players there that, if possible, if, you, if you're fighting for a game or, or you're chasing a game and you want to wing back, put Sancho there. You know, you're attacking, you want to get a goal. You know, so that's another option. I don't understand why, yeah, you'd have four right-backs, you know, and they're not, you're not, you know, Trent Alexander's very good going forward. Trippier's got very good uh, service as well. James has had a very good season. You know, Kyle Walker, it's it's, it's a difficult one, but that's why he's England's job and you've got to make them difficult decisions. To me, it's a cop-out. It's an absolute cop-out. Trent Alexander's got a goal from, from, his performance in the last 10 games, but so Jesse Lingard, you know, it's just, um, it, it's a cop-out and, and probably Jesse Lingard or, or Ward-Prowse should be in that and one of them right-backs shouldn't be there. I would probably say Walker because, but then again, he probably plays with a free and with Walker with his pace, you know, he's, he's an insurance policy. Look. So then, that, then, that's the thing about James. He's come on leaps and bounds. So, so would you drop Trippier the way that, that is the season he's had? And Southgate loves Trippier. So Southgate's got a sense, seems to have his favourites, and Trippier's one of them. And by, by winning the league, you know, he's not had a, a bad season. He's not no scrub. So it's, it's a difficult decision. But like I say, for England managers, you've got to make them decisions. You're getting paid well to make them decisions. And for me, it's just a cop out. The thing is, he's, he selected Reese James. And I think had Reese James not had such a good final, Champions League final, he wouldn't have picked him. If you look at the left-back position, you've got Luke Shaw, you've got Ben Chilwell, and I think a Trippier can play there, can't he? If need be, if need be. But then you've got Bukayo Saka, and they've classed him as a forward, but Saka's played left wing for Arsenal, he's played left-back for Arsenal, he's played left-forward for Arsenal. So why you need an extra fullback in that squad is beyond me. Okay, if he's going to play three at the back and he doesn't trust Harry Maguire because of his fitness, you're going to go with, with Walker. And if Walker gets injured, you're going to need another central defender. So Reese James can go there. Then you've got Trent at right wing back and then possibly Carl Walker, um, uh, Trippier covering. But then you've got Cody, you've got Maguire, you've got Stones, you've got Mings. How many... Look, we could be talking about England winning the Euros in a, a few weeks' time. It probably won't happen, but he'll be vindicated. But that being said, you've got Jesse Lingard that's had a decent season. He's on fire. Surely you want to pick the players that are in form, no? Well, as a, as a manager, you know, it, the one thing, especially, you know, it's, it may be different in, in cup competitions. You play like three or four games, but, you know, that's the probably thing you don't tinker with is your back four. If it's solid and you're good to go in three or four days, then yeah, we're going to keep that because you want to keep that continuity, that that that, that back four together, 
And that's probably the one thing that you don't tinker with. So to have four options, you know, yes, you might go for a three in one option, but, you know, if you're playing at a four every three or four games and everyone's fit from that first game and you do well, you don't change it. You change maybe other things to give you more energy. or, or you probably, But that back four, I don't know if Stes can, can enlighten on this, but as a coach, but as a back four, you, I'd want to keep them together. I, I totally agree with you, but equally, I think, like me and Stell mentioned before, that it's leaning towards possibly, it's, if it's, it could be a back three, this. Now, we know all these lads are good players, great players, actually, great right-backs. They've all got a good cross on them. Walker's got the pace, the recovery pace. Alexander-Arnold and Trippi have got amazing crossing. And James has proven now that he's um, he can get from defence to attack and he can stop left-wingers in 1v1 situation. He pocketed Sterling in the final. But just while you were both chatting there, if it is going to be a three, whilst all these lads are capable, there's only Reese James who's played in that position this season. So Walker's played in a back four for City. I know City pushed the fullbacks on. Kieran Trippi's played in a back four for Atletico Madrid. And Trent Alexander played um, in a back four for Liverpool. So if we go with a back three and it's not Reese James, if it's one of the other three right backs, they are actually slightly out of position, even though they can do the job. What do you think? I think the experience of you know Trippier is experienced now. He's been about Kyle Walker has played there for England as well, so you'd expect the experience. Reese James, you know, he's the one with the lack of experience. But he's trained every day, Rod, in a back three. He's played almost every Saturday and every Wednesday night in a back in a back three. He's actually played right of the back three, and he's played as a wing back. So in terms of like what's happened in the last twelve months. He's actually the least experienced, but the best equipped. So if in, in that case, then why is he taking Walker? Because if, if that's the case, you're going to play Reese there because he's played more than, you know, got more experience this season, uh, has done very well. And you're not going to play Kyle Walker as, as a wing-back because he, no. he's, he doesn't give you produce as much quality as Trippier or Trent Alexander. So. No, so it's, yeah, so, so, it's, so it's baffling. I'm just, I'm just worried um, when I looked at the squad that um, obviously to win games, win a tournament, so much is going to be relying on Harry Kane. But all this talent, uh, Phil Foden, Jack Grealish, Mason Mount, who actually is any good in the penalty area where you win the game, where the games are won? I know you've got to get your clean sheet, but who is actually any good in the penalty area? Because these guys, they're best down the side of the penalty area or actually just outside it. Who's actually any good? Well, that, this is why if he was, if the penalty he was, area? This is why if he was fit, I think Mason Greenwood would have gone. Yeah. Because there's your second man who who's yeah. you know in between the goals is lethal. Yeah. So just like just like Sturridge used to be, and in fact probably better now. But just that person that in okay, we're in the box. So what happens? So if it's Kane, great. If it's not Kane, who is it? Because I see all these, I love them all. Mount Grealish Foden, love them all. But who actually is any good for England in that squad in the penalty area other than Harry Kane? And I don't see how you can win a tournament when you can just when you're scratching your head trying to think of the next one. Stez, if you was going to Southgate, would you have called Jamie Vardy? Um, I think I would. I Ask think I would. Question. Definitely, I think I would. Um, even even on a 24-hour job, Rod, I would. That um, not with Mason Greenwood, but the fact that Mason Greenwood, he must have known for a week at least, Gareth Southgate, that Greenwood's not going to make it. Probably when he came off against Villarreal. You probably knew the next day. But, uh, yeah, 
I would, because you've got the pace and exactly what we've just stumbled across here, this, this topic, in the penalty area. Who's actually the second best in the Premier League to Harry Kane? It's Jamie Vardy. The fact that he's English, that's answering my own question. Definitely, I would have asked him, yeah? You? Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. Well, Marcus Rashford is there, you know. Brilliant. Great, but again, coming in from the side. Coming yeah. in from the side. Foden, well, amazing. Coming in from the so, side. Yeah, so the first game, Harry Kane goes down. That thing is screwed. But that was the problem at, at the last World Cup, wasn't it? Because I think only Danny Welbeck and Jamie Vardy were the two... No, but it's always been a pro- it's always been a problem as well when they took injured players. It's never were David Beckham, Wayne Rooney, and you've got Henderson, you've got Phillips, who have been yeah, out for a long, long time, and, and they're coming straight into a Euros mm. tournament. It's a yeah. big ask that. Yeah, not got enough players for me. You can do it in the middle of the penalty area, and I'm not going to say I'm a massive fan, but I know that Phil Foden and Grealish. Uh, amount can all play the number 10 position because of their ability. But who actually plays that position is Jesse Lingard every week in the Premier League sprinting into the middle of the box. The others don't play the game that way. I'll just worry about us. Who's going to get us into the middle of the penalty area where you get most of your goals other than Kane? It looks like Kane or nothing to me. Yeah, it's usually, think... it's usually got you got usually got Deli Ali, Lingard, and Nitman too, you've not it not. Know what we see, so yeah. And if, and if, if he's going to play three central defenders, because that's what it looks like, given the amount of players he's brought in defensively, then what what system is he going to play over overall? Three four two one, three four one two. Uh, well, if it's three at the back, it'll be two up front, and Sterling has played for England up front alongside Kane. Um, but I think that would be Rashford and Kane if it was two up front, unless he goes with what. Chelsea did in the Champions League final three at the back, two wing backs, two central midfielders, two men he's, behind he's the played Rashford, He's played Rashford in the 10 and, and Kane, uh, Kane, yeah, Rashford's dropped in as number 10 or Kane could do number 10. They've both done that. You know, mm. He's got the options of Foden on the left or Grealish on the left. He's got lots of options, Sterling on the left or Sterling as number 10, like Stez says. So, yeah, you, you've got a lot of options and it's, it's good options to have, but, you know, like Stev said, at the end of the season, who's been doing that the best is Lingard and scoring goals. Mm. He's got energy, can get about the park, and he's in a good moment in his career at the minute. So why would you not take him? That baffles me, that one. Mm. I think he'll go folding on the left of midfield of a three. Uh, um, either side of an anchor would be, would be Declan Rice or Henderson. Probably Declan Rice because he's fit. Mount to the right. I think they'd have the two talented right and left midfielders. Um, and I think he would go Rashford and Kane up front with Sterling as a sub. That's how I think they'll start the tournament. Yeah. That's the three at the back style, by the way. He's got lots of options. Who, you know, who's he play first game? I don't know. It's for Stamblock. On it, England fixtures. England fixtures. Oh, there's a friendly against Austria tomorrow. If that helps. Uh, Croatia, first game. Oof. Croatia. See, that's, that's probably the difficult, most difficultest game in the, in the group, no? First uh, game. Croatia, Scotland and Czech Republic. Oh, Czech Republic's not going to be easy. Scotland won't be easy either. There you go. No, it'd be, you know, it should be 
it won't be. It won't be. They should win, but it won't be easy. I don't know, man. I don't know. Czech Republic are looking all right as well, you know. They've yeah. got guys, so check that did well in the Premier League this season. Not good to get a bad start, then you know. No, obviously, the Croatia, the Croatia, the team of, of old. No, well, no, I wouldn't say so. They had a friendly today against. They played. They played. Um, oh, was it Andorra? No, who did they play today? Oh Christ, I don't even know. Who they played. I was watching on Sky Sports. I can't believe I forgot who they were playing. Oh goodness, my no, goodness. No, they were playing. Who did they play today? Armenia. I think it was Armenia. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Armenia. Let's have a look. Armenia, yeah, they drew one all. But again, friendly. You can't really read too much into that, man. They made, no. just, they made no, eight right. substitutions. Yeah. You know, when you've got players like Modric and still applying the trade, you've, you know, you've still got quality there. So it's, it's not an easy game, that one. Yeah, Rebic and, uh, and historically, Croatia, uh, you know, good tournament teams. Yeah, true, true. All right, gents, let's wrap it up with one more subject. Carlo Ancelotti has said, um, see you later to Liverpool. And he said, uh, yeah. Um, well, what is it? What is it? What is it in Spanish? Merseyside. Hola, Merseyside, como está? Madrid. Está bien. Exactly. Hola, que tal? Merseyside. Hola, Madrid. Mm, yeah. Let me think. Merseyside or Madrid. Mm. Yeah. That's come as a bit of a shock, in all fairness, for me anyway, because I thought, okay, Zidane walked. Really? Yeah, for Ancelotti to go back to to, to Spain. All right. Um, I, I thought they'd have gone for someone. Oh no, I wouldn't say more out there, but he's a, he, no. But Ancelotti is a he's like a sure bet, and he's a steady hand. True, and he got he got the best out of Gareth Bale. There you go. Mm. There you go. See, see, method behind the madness. No, if you get, he's still a player. You've seen that at the end of the, the, the season at Tottenham. You know, he's, he's he's obviously got in his mind. I'm not missing that Euros. I want to be right for that Euros, and he's just used Tottenham basically. And was he Chelsea manager when Azard was there? Oh, was he Chelsea manager when Azard was there? I'm not sure. See, but he's, 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 been, he's been a letdown since he's been there as well. So he's got yeah. big things to. You know, he seems to have just like tossed it off. He was there from 2012 to 2019. So Chelsea 2012. I don't think he was actually. He might have been. I don't know. I don't know. He might have been. He might have been. So, you know, he knows, he knows Gareth Bale. He knows uh, Azard. You know, Sergio Ramos, most of the players that won the Champions League under him were, were still there. I think uh, Marcelo's still there. Um, there's a few players there that he still knows. Modric. But I think it's like a new era now at Real Madrid because... Not well, Angelotti the- was 2009-2011. Two, ah, so he wasn't there with Hazard. Okay, no. fair enough. Hazard joined in 2012. Okay, fair enough. But I think it's a new era at Real Madrid. They haven't got any players in the national team, the Spanish national team, for a start. Ramos didn't make it. Um, and I guess now that their stadium might be ready, they'll be spending money in the summer to to bring in some big names because they didn't do that in the summer, if I, as far as I remember. Did they bring in anyone big? I can't remember. No. I think they brought in a left-back. But... Yeah, I think but they, sold, new... they sold the left-back regularly, so... 
Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, yeah, interesting one. What did you make of that one, Steve? Carlos. Um, uh, yeah, so I was surprised in the last 24 hours. Um, when you look back at Everton's defending in that last game of the season, possibly it's been uh, lined up for a bit that that uh, there was no passion playing for a manager that was certainly looking like he was going to be staying and planning for next season in that game against Manchester City. But no, you can understand why he's gone. Um, he'll, he'll finish his career with that one, I'm sure. Um, or I think he would. And um, he's, he's left Everton like managers do when they take a job in a better place than, than what he inherited. And someone will take on a, a you know, still a, a big Premier League club now, but with actually big shoes to fill and probably won't do as well. They've probably had it as good as they've had, in my opinion. So uh, Everton have had a little bit of um, hope in the last 12 months that they were about to progress. And probably this decision today means that they will uh, stagnate from this point. But uh, he has moved them forward and he, everybody looks at Everton a bit different now and that's because of him. Do you know what? I read earlier on Twitter, Some obviously you can't really take anything as gospel on that fucking platform, but someone put out this tweet that apparently Sergio Ramos was telling the Real Madrid players not to take a pay cut because a lot of those weight, that, that money that would be saved will go towards Mbappe's wages if they go to make a sign, sign him in the summer. <laughs> really? Apparently so. Again, you can't read too much into his Twitter, but nothing would Ram- surprise me. Ram- oh, how, you can, how you can take a pay cut, you got a signed contract. Hmm. Well, I don't yeah. know they want players to take a pay cut. I don't know why. I don't know why. But anyway. If you're a big, if you're like Tony Cruz and say you want to take a pay cut, say fucking do one on the contract, what are you going to do? Yeah. yeah, true. Yeah. Well, that's it. That's it for another episode. Shall we do Euro shows? Shall we do shows during the Euros as well? Yeah, yeah. Around, around the England and Wales games. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right, fair enough. Okay. Well, that's it for another episode of Shoot the Defence. Thank you, gentlemen, okay, for well, joining. Shall we... We can't... Oh, no, Cyprus, aren't it? We were going to say Cyprus. We could go on the Cyprus We're, we're never in the Euros. Oh, we're, never in any, we're never in any tournaments. We're an island of a million people, and it's an island that's been split in half. What the fuck are we going to... But we've got good players, and they're coming through some youngsters. So, yeah, anyway... Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, you, you lot still haven't told me what I'm going to do about this fucking neighbour of mine then. Ooh. Oh, you just got to bite the bullet and just say, just let him know you're seeing him. Say, listen, just let him know. Uh, him. The old man's all right. It's the woman that's a fucking dragon. Oh, it's a woman. Yeah. Oh, it's a woman. Oh. Yeah, I think deal. Same deal. He can have some fun first. Let's, let's, you know let's sleep on it. Steve, do you know what? I've I, I had this garage built a couple of years ago, and I I fit an alarm in the garage. I put the car in the garage, and I put the alarm in the garage, and it's fucking loud when it goes off. Do you think I should just set it off at like two in the morning? It'll cost you some money, still, but order a pizza and send it round, and you'll find out about the integrity of these neighbours if they turned the pizza guy away and say, "Oh no, we've not ordered anything," or they actually take the pizza and eat it. You could, it might cost you a little bit of finances, <laughs> but. You're going to get to know a bit more about your neighbours. And then I've definitely considered the skip on the drivers, like, uh, um, you know, when you're on the winning line, like definitely that could, that, that's one, fill it up with gravel. But that's also going to cost you. It depends if you're going to sacrifice to win still. Yeah, true, true. I'm going to have to get my thinking cap on. I might, I might just put it to my Instagram as well. I'll just put it on my Instagram and say, what should I do? So yeah. yeah. There you go. People will come up with different ideas. You know, you guys have, haven't really helped me too much, to be fair. So. 
Bollocks here. All right, so we'll be back hopefully next week and then we'll know what's going on because I think there'll, there'll be a lot of international friendlies done by then. There might be some transfer news and that kind of stuff. So there you go, ladies and gents. That's it for another week. Take care.